Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Final Furlong Podcast is brought to you in association with AtTheRaces.com, the ultimate resource for racing fans. Welcome along to the Final Furlong Podcast as we take you back to Cheltenham 2019 for our reviews of day three and four. I'm Emma Kennedy alongside my colleague and friend and At The Races pundit, Mr. Kevin Blake. Hello! With an enthusiastic hello, and we are also joined by NBC and Racing TV's Nick Locke. Hello, or hello, whichever <laughs> one you prefer. I presume when we're coming to the run for the roses, that's when the American twang will come that little bit more. Oh, early. very much so. But for very now... So. Emmett? Emmett? <laughs> yeah. I, I got one, man. I got one here by Fusaichi Pegasus. <laughs> And I'm telling you, it's going to be good. Bear in mind, by the way, that tomorrow's podcast, where Declan Ricks returns, we will be talking about flat racing. But anyway, let's focus on the jumps, shall we? Uh, The going was good to soft with a 6.8 reading on the Thursday. The JLT went to Barry Garrity's banker of the week, Deffy Desoy. Kevin, we were on the preview panel with him, and he was the horse he was most confident about. And now we know why. Um, yeah, he won well, didn't he? Um, it's a funny race. It was a funny race in some ways. Um, I wouldn't be surprised now if, if Robbie Power was a bit annoyed with himself um, for the ride he gave Lost in Translation. Um, I think, and, and the, the tactics of this race were well discussed beforehand. You know, Lost in Translation is a, is a horse that will certainly thrive over three miles, you'd imagine. And um, it was no secret what Barry was going to do in Lost in Translation. He was going to wait and strike late. And the emphasis was on speed here. You know, and, and that's... Robbie was largely responsible for it because he made much of the running. You know, the finishing speed, you know, according to time form, was, it was 110.6%. You know, that's uh, that's very much speed-focused. And that was very much in Defi Desai's favour. Um, and Defi Desai managed to win, despite Barry probably getting into the race a bit earlier than he might have planned and uh, a little mistake that he made two out probably helped him <laughs> and, and steadied him on a little bit um, to, to allow him to make the late bid and ultimately won well. And look, to be fair to Deffy, he's been getting better with each start this season. His jumping has got better with each start. And um, he's a very good horse. And he's clearly very effective at mid-range trips, but it could be fun to see him explore three miles next season, possibly. Maybe something like the King George. Um, because he's he's only a six-year-old, um, and he's a good horse. He's a real good horse, and um, he'd be one to look forward to. I think. Yeah, absolutely. Echo those sentiments. It was our first look at the the new course for the week, and it was a. I think it was a a real 
punters a result because there did seem to be a lot of people following in Barry blindly on, on Deffy. He looked so good as a juvenile, Nick, and we've seen it before that juveniles then find it difficult to make the transition except for this year's champion hurdle. But realistically, it was all down to Philip Hobbs just not being able to train a dog to walk last year. Like, the stable was in horrendous form and he deserves credit for... First of all, getting the stable back on track. And secondly, more importantly, getting this horse to fulfill his potential. Yeah, and I'd forgotten that he'd only had the two runs last year. I sort of imagined that he'd gone missing and had a sequence of disappointing runs. And I had to remind myself, or Philip Hobbs had to remind me, that he'd actually only had the two runs. And they were pretty inconclusive. He was disappointing at Ascot, wasn't he? And then he went over to Leopardstown, and that was completely the wrong race for him when he'd been under a cloud. So... It is to his eternal credit that he's got him back this season. That extra novice chase where he beat top of the game, he whipped round at the start, looks a pretty good piece of form now back in December. Mm. He's just a, he looks a thoroughly uncomplicated horse too. He's sort of settled better as the season's gone on. He jumps very efficiently. He looks as though he could probably get a little bit further if they wanted to. I'd love, like Kevin, to see him in a King George. And the trainer's a, a no-nonsense, uncomplicated man. And I, I'm not damning him with faint praise saying that. He just cuts through the... Uh, um, pseudo mystique of training racehorses and just gets on with the job. And I suspect that the King George will be where uh, where his initial target will be, unless JP has an obvious one for it aside from him. Lost in Translation is a, a funny horse, really, because you because he's by Flemings first and he's quite a big strapping chaser. You'd think that he wants further than two and a half miles and you'd think that Stamina's his strong suit because he doesn't appear to have that much of a turn of foot. But there is quite a bit of speed in the damn side of his pedigree and I wonder. I wonder whether he'll be fully effective over a over an extended trip. The one, my my initial reaction was the same as Kevin's. I thought, oh, I wouldn't mind seeing him in, you know, campaigned with a view to next year's Gold Cup. But I'll I'll reserve judgment till I see him over three miles as to whether he's as effective over it. Do you think the King George, because you had Philip Hobbs in studio for the mm. Sunday, is the King George an option for him at the start of next season? Yeah, he seemed up for the idea, for sure. I think I think he thought that was a very sensible idea. You would have thought, wouldn't you, that one of those races at Ascot over an intermediate distance might be the might be the starting point. Yeah. The sort of two and a half mile race in November, that might be the might be the ticket for him. Yeah, the one I would have thought. Yeah. I, I believe the comments from Philip Hobbs straight afterwards were you'd imagine it'll be the Ryanair next year. So maybe King George and then and then target the Ryanair. But we shall see. Um, was it a missed opportunity with Lost in Translation? Should he have gone for the RSA? No, because I don't think I don't think he'd have beaten those three. I mean, I think he might have he might have given them a run for his money. But you, what you knew was that he was going to be. Yeah, if they ran to form, he was going to be first or second in the in the JLT. Mm. Whereas he could have finished a very good fourth in the RSA, couldn't he? Yeah, yeah he might have got in the mix. He might well have got in the mix, but. If he, but he would have had to have improved significantly for the step up in distance, which was an unknown. So I don't think it was the wrong race to to put him in. If Robbie Power had his time again, would he have gone a bit faster? Would he have been got harder and tried to draw the sting out of Deffy Desoy? I suppose he would have done, but I'm not sure that Deffy Desoy wouldn't have wouldn't have won. I just think Deffy Desoy's got a tiny bit more class than Lost in Translation. Yeah, I mm. just I, I think Lost in Translation could have added to what was already an epic RSA. But Kevin, what I was really taken with was just how balls out confident Barry Garrity was on the At The Races preview panel like he was just so he didn't care whether it was the Arkle or the JLT he was adamant that he had the, the most classy horse for either race and that he was going to win it was it was unusual to see that level of confidence from him pre-race yeah and Sherlock I suppose the, the view and it wasn't an uncommon view was that 
uh, Deffy and Lost in Translation had a bit of a break over this field. And, you know, given that he'd had two good looks at Lost in Translation already this season, you know, he was entitled to be confident. Uh, he seemed to have cracked it, um, how, how to beat him at Sandown. And um, like I say, while it could have went a bit better for Barry, and it probably could have went a bit better for Lost in Translation, you know, I think just the, the conclusion is Deffy Desai is just a better horse um, in most circumstances. And Sire de Burley is almost certainly a better horse than running in a Potemps Network final handicap hurdle with all due respect to the Potomps, as our colleague Tony Keenan would call it. Um, he looks a graded horse, uh, a wolf in sheep's clothing here. Gordon Elliott landed this race last year, Nick, and he's done it again and again, an ice-cold ride from Barry Garrity. Oh. This was just sublime. Well, it, it was a brilliant ride in terms of the fact that he saved ground all the way around. It was a daredevil ride because he got horses coming back in his lap half the way down the back and most of the way down the side and half the way around the home turn as well. So he had to sit and suffer and then he had to get quite muscular, sort of muscular Garrity best to get him up on the line. Um, so, yeah, the horses won with a fair bit more in hand, I suspect. But I think there's quite a few – there's a few people who would have been – you're counting their winnings on one or two of the others in that race as well and think they might have been a little bit un, unlucky. I, I, I don't know. I, I thought the third horse has run a brilliant race and arguably hit the front a little bit too soon. And I, my heart bled for connections of uh, the runner-up too. Um, Debbie Hamer's horse, to be fair, who was favourite for the race two years ago uh, and was completely lost in the fog this time and only went down by a neck. But, yeah, brilliant from Barry Garrity to hold his nerve and and get the horse up on the line. Uh, I didn't fancy him much, I've got to say. I thought he was a terrible favourite, but that's why he was favourite. Um, yeah, as so I say, if you back, to be fair, you'd have been uh, felt yourself pretty unlucky and if you back not many left you might have felt very unlucky yeah i'd say you'd agree with that kevin it's worth pointing out that last year jp had glenn lois favored and he got nailed by a fellow gordon elliott trained horse but this year one for the good guys jp gets the money (laughs) (laughs) yeah this was a case of job well done you know you can imagine that this was pretty much a year in the making this plan and while it might seem like an easy thing for an outsider looking in, ah, run him in a qualifier and then fire him up for Cheltenham, it's a very difficult thing to execute. And um, they executed it very well. And like Nick says, now I was watching this horse very closely the whole way. And, you know, this could have went wrong any number of times because um, I, I suspect Gordon and Barry and everyone else would have been hoping that the cheek pieces might have worked mm. a little bit better than they did mm-hmm. um, because he didn't. He didn't travel as sharply as you, you ideally need to in this race. Big field, tight quarters. You need to hold your spot and be able to take gaps when they come. And geez, he, was, he wasn't helping Barry now from a long way out. And Barry really, really had to fight hard on a multitude of occasions to stop himself getting shuffled back. And uh, if he'd lost any one of those fights, I'd say it would have been game over. So Barry had to be very aggressive with him from a long way out. And, um, you know, once he was able to keep anywhere anywhere close to being on their heels turning in, you always felt that he was going to produce a, a big finishing effort. And, and he duly did. But, geez, it could have went very badly wrong a couple of different times. Yeah. Uh, I think there's, there's a couple of things to note about the performance as well. First of all, that he's a lightly raced horse who needed to produce his best and probably more than his best to win the race. It's not as though this was a, he was a gnarled old campaigner who'd been tumbling down the handicap and they'd finally got him on the right day. You know, this is a horse who was going in the right direction, 
and he was quite unexposed in a, in a sense. And there's a sense when one of these wins, one of these gambles, that they've sort of been hiding him away. I mean, he'd, he'd only had the nine runs. And also, it's a gamble to run him in a race like that, with, as Kevin said, with the pieces on first time. Mm-hmm. So Because you don't know how he's going to react to them. So it was probably a better training performance even than perhaps it appeared at the time. He was not unfancied yeah. for the Martin Pipe when Donald McInerney rode him last season. And he ran a fine race that day uh, as well. But... Kevin, you were highlighting the fact that it was just a piece of genius. It was it was artwork for equine brilliance from Davy Russell, <laughs> just to get there for sixth at the Leopardstown Christmas meeting. Just to get there for sixth, and then ballsy enough decision from Gordon to just keep him off the track and and line him up there. Because as Nick is saying, look, this is a rough and tumble race, and we saw with Glenlow how wrong it can go, but. This one all comes to perfection. Yeah, sure. Look, it'll be. He won't be the easiest horse to place now. I don't think. Um, you'd like to think he might have a bit more progression in him, but how much? Um, you know, he'd, if he was to go back for this race again next season, he'd probably be. He's almost certainly be top weight, I'd imagine. Um, so what do you do? Do you kick him into greater races, and will he come up to that mark? I don't know. Um, he's certainly a horse that you wouldn't be upset to put blinkers on. Um, when you wanted a bit more improvement, he, he looks very idle um, through a race and, and late on. So I, I'd say th- this was very much his big day, and anything after this will be a bonus. But it's a you know he's going to be low 150s now, and it's a fair jump up from a low 150s to be a stairs hurdle horse. So um, th- this might prove to be the highlight of his career. Who knows? Maybe chasing will be will be the thing now. Um, but we'll wait and see I think, job done I think JP's quote about Garchan Petra when the, he'd paid like half a million pounds for me ended up being a top class cro- cross country horse was well it doesn't matter how much money you pay you cannot buy Cheltenham's success and the feeling of it so I, I think he's just going to be pleased to have A land of the gamble and B have another Cheltenham win on the CV so uh, well done to Connections job well done when I asked Nick look what days did he want to cover I was not in the least <coughs> bit surprised when he said Days three and four, please, because there was that magic hour and you were talking about it the next day on the coverage, Nick, about how great it was to see Briony Frost on the front page, not only of tabloids, but also of, of broadsheets. She has a fantastic relationship with Frodon, but she is a brilliant jockey in her own right and the first female jockey to win a grade one at the Cheltenham Festival. The Ryanair chase was a special moment. Yeah, the first female to ride a grade one winner over obstacles at the Cheltenham Festival, as I was having to correct myself (laughs) very quickly after I'd come out with exactly the same comment that you did uh, to be reminded that a certain Ms. Kay Walsh had the champion bumper winner last year. Um, Apologies, Katie. I I did the reverse ferrets pretty quickly, but yeah, it's certainly the... (laughs) It's certainly the most significant <laughs> success, with no disrespect to anyone, for a female rider at the festival, um, given that it came in one of the marquee races. Uh, now, I think we can safely say the Ryanair is one of the marquee races, whether people like it or not. And it was a, 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 not just an up-to-scratch running of it. It was a fantastic running of it, even if one or two of the big guns failed to fire. And I think just the the rhythm and the sort of metronomic fashion in which the horse jumps and responds for, for Bryony Frost is, is a, a, something that everybody's taken to their hearts, in addition to the way that she can then articulate how it felt afterwards. And the combination of those is is is, is gold, really, for the, for the sport. I think everything was said last week 
uh, and everything that was, most of the things that were said were, were absolutely spot on. So it was a terrific result. It was just a great race to watch as much as anything else. Yeah, yeah. Um, big disappointment of the race was footpad breaking a blood vessel because he was absolutely hacking turning for home and he went from hacking to nothing in two strides. It had to be more than not staying. That was a disappointment. It was disappointing that Underso was ridden against his natural game. I think that was a mistake. I think they should have just bashed on and done what he does best and see what happened. Um, apart from that, though, it was a terrific race, and you've got to give credit to the runner-up as well. Aso ran a mighty race. Tom Siegel's been telling me that for months. I didn't listen to him, but did I really expect Frodon to win a Ryanair? No, I didn't, but uh, he confounded me, and it was a wonderful, wonderful result, wonderful to watch as well. Even even uh, Jonathan Neeson, my, uh, my housemate during the Cheltenham Festival, was seen to skip, skip, <laughs> lively over uh, over the little wall by the weighing room there after that after that race good um, old cynical rolling, Jonathan Neeson e- even he could be uh, could, could be moved um, he he was he was rubbing his eye saying I think there's I think I've got something in my eye um, <laughs> it was yet softened the hardest of hearts yeah it was a great result great result well considering he was 9-1 to one with Sam Tristan Davis on his back last year Kev when he was beaten just the 37 lengths it's easy to see why Nick didn't consider him a Ryanair winner, and, and he wasn't my idea of the winner either, although we had a big debate about him going for the Gold Cup. Um, there were two horses that could have run the Gold Cup. They diverted to here, and we need to deal with Frodon and, and Bryony, first of all, because he's improved rapidly for Paul Nichols. It's been a great season for him so far. He's taking dead aim now and giving, the, giving it the big talk to Nicky Henderson as well for the championship, but this was, this was just special. Yeah, one of a number of horses for Paul Nichols this season that have just taken off. And um, this was just, like Nick says, just a fun race to watch. Um, On paper, you know, it it looked like it would be a burn-up. You had Frodon, you'd Undersoe, you'd Sub-Lieutenant, you'd Balco de Flo, um, you know, Terrafork can occasionally go forward. It looked like it would be a burn-up, and it was just one of those cases. You know, there was one or two of them at Cheltenham, funny enough, where there looked to be an absolute mountain of pace on paper, and everyone involved has looked at it saying, oh, it looks like there's a mountain of pace on paper. We won't go forward today. <laughs> and before you know it, um, there isn't nearly as much pace as you, you would have anticipated. Um, Sub-Lieutenant went on, um, has made the running before, and clearly... I think the Gigginstown team wanted him to go forward to keep Frodon honest. Um, not everyone will like that, but there you go. Um, that's tactics. Um, and it didn't bother Bryony, to be honest. I just don't think Fro- um, Sub-Lieutenant was quick enough um, to do the job they wanted him to do. I don't think he was able to keep Frodon as honest as they would have liked. And uh, Frodon just got into a wonderful rhythm. He'd be a hard horse to match strides with Hanaway just because he's such a good jumper. Um, trying to go stride for stride with him will will put horses on the deck. Um, I suspect more often than not because he's just a hard, a very hard horse to uh, to match strides with. And just for the way for it to pan out like it did, you know, headed looking in trouble, and to rally, um, it was just fabulous. It was a race that engaged everyone. Geez, I. I I, I don't know if I've seen as much tears on a race course as I did um, running around the place after that. Um, and and a lot of them from people wholly unconnected directly. You know, it was yeah. just a, a result that that caught that would catch you um, emotionally. And Bryony, you know, to give the to give the the speech that she did off horseback, the breathless speech that she gave. You know, that wouldn't look have seemed out of place at the end of a Disney film. Um, you know, nobody talks about horses like she does um, in terms of a rider. 
And um, now, while it might be a bit much for some of the more um, grizzled, <laughs> hardened racing professionals, I think in terms of um, something to, to showcase the, the joy the racing can bring to a mainstream audience, you're not going to beat it, really. Um, it, it was great to watch, great to listen back to. And um, really a, a dream result in, in many ways. Um, for those that didn't have a direct involvement in, in any of their opposition. <laughs> yeah, 100%. And just in terms of Bryony's enthusiasm afterwards, I quite really enjoy that, Nick. But one of the things that's interesting about it is it's not just the adrenaline of the race afterwards kicking in. This is just how Bryony is. Like, Harry Derham will tell you she's like that in the morning working the horses. When I met her at Goodwood, she, she was in pain because she was recovering from an injury and she was still lively and and bouncy this is just her her personality and and for me it's it's infectious and and just good for the game well listen i'm sure she has her quieter moments she must do uh, i mean she is after all only human and yeah, i'm sure she welcomes the time she can get away from it and, and spend time with her family and go riding and and what have you and she's been the first one to say that when she first went to paul nichols it was a it was a massive culture shock because she was away from home and it was a big stable a different environment she hadn't done much traveling so uh, that that clearly is is not necessarily something that has come naturally to her personality, but there is nothing inauthentic about the way she speaks about horses, and uh, clearly the the impact that the animal has on her is a very significant one. And I think if there's been one gap in in TV or, or radio or newspaper punditry from ex-professionals within the sport, it's the fact that they are they find it extremely difficult for whatever reason to convey to people who haven't ridden horses professionally what it actually feels like. And that's something that she's managed to do extremely effectively and very quickly and very early on in her career as well. And it could just change the way that jockeys talk about talk about riding horses or make them think about how it feels to ride a horse and the ability to then communicate that. So for that to that end, she is she's all good and and everything she she does is good news for the spot. I just hope she's all right because she's clearly she's clearly taken a horrible fall at Southern this week. Yeah. Um. And she's got to see a specialist for her shoulder, which means that the injury's got to be a bit more significant than than perhaps we know. And uh, at the time that we're we're talking all the time we're recording this we don't know exactly how serious that injury is so uh, i'm just keeping my fingers crossed it's not it's not too bad yeah well hopefully she'll be okay and primarily okay for entry but um we wish mm. her well and that was an incredible moment um kevin just before we move on to the feature race of the day on the so nick alluded to the the tactics i was taken aback by what Paul Townend did, which ironically was taken back. Was it just that the Mullins team, A, got it wrong with Min and got it wrong with him again and were afraid of a burn-up up front? Um, maybe, but geez, you know, on the so, he's, he's only ever had one way of going. Um, so it was it was a ballsy thing to do. You know, making a change on, on the biggest stage is always a ballsy thing to do. And, and you look a genius if it works out, but um, you know, personally, I'd always be inclined to play the percentages uh, in such a, a high-pressure environment. You, you stick to what you know works, and they tried, and he ran well. To be fair to him, but um, it's hard not to feel he might have been seen to better effect with a, a more forward ride. But there you go. We'll, we'll never know. Um, Manali, just to deal with him quickly, I thought he had no excuse whatsoever. I thought Rachel had him in the box seat in a lovely spot. Um, his jumping held up. 
uh, you know, everything went right for him really, and he just ran up to his best. That's mm. all. He hasn't. I, I, he I, hasn't quite got the ticker to match his ability, has he? Yeah. I, I'm not. And I'm not saying he's. I'm not saying he's a. He's. He's a thinker or he's difficult. He's just not quite got that. He's not quite got that constitution to go with the ability. I don't think Monoli. I think he's gonna. A horse is gonna be placed in a lot of good races and win the odd one. Yeah, I think for me, he's just he's probably just a notch below. You know, I was hoping that this set of circumstances might bring him forward a few lengths, but it didn't. You know, he probably matched his, his previous best, um, but that wasn't good enough. And he might just struggle to find those few lengths that he needs to win a race like this. Um, but it, it was a, a thoroughly creditable effort uh, from him, to be fair, but just just came off a bit short without without any excuse that, that I would make for him. And briefly, Sultan of Succinct footpad, as Nick said, broke blood vessels. It's been a disappointing yeah. season for a horse that we thought could challenge Altior at the start of the season. Uh, look, you know, a nightmare campaign, really, in many ways, for a horse that um, excited me as, as a novice chaser more than... than ma- there hasn't been too many novice chasers that excited me more than he did last season. Um, so, you know, considering that, it, it's been a bit of an, a disappointing season. Hopefully, Willie can get him back. He's still only a seven-year-old. He, he seems like he's been around for a long time, but um, time is on his side. So, hopefully, Willie can, can get him back firing um, next season, perhaps. Uh, but time will tell. The Sun Racing Stairs hurdle went the way of the favourite and the banker of the week for many, Emma Lavelle's Paisley Park. This was an absolutely fantastic result for many reasons. Obviously, uh, for his owner, uh, it's Emma Lavelle's second grade one, for Aidan Coleman as well, proud Corkman. But Nick, look, uh, and I want you to, to lead on this, I kind of looked away from him because I thought, oh, poor Paisley Park, it's just not going to happen for him today. And was looking at Faheen cruising and then all of a sudden down the outside, here he comes like a train. Yeah, in my immediate summary of the race, I said he looked beaten. And then I looked at the race again. And in fact, he didn't really look beaten. Mm. He was just he was just taking his time between two out and the last, which on the new course is never a bad thing because there is such a long run between two out and the last. What was really impressive was when he when he kicked in the turbo, he put so many lengths between him and the horses that were around him between sort of 100 yards before the last and the line. It was quite remarkable. Talking to Harry Cobden the other day and Kilbrick and Storm was just behind Paisley Park when Paisley Park started to motor. And within the blink of an eye, he was 30 lengths clear of him. Then he then he made a mistake at the last that would have stopped most horses at the end of a race and gave Sam Spinner, who was on his game, another bite of the cherry. And that was soon put to bed. And halfway up the run, and he's pricking his ears. He's very, very impressive, Paisley Park. It's hard to imagine he won't come back and just keep doing it. They may be tempted to go over fences with him, but he seems to be so well suited to that to that discipline. It must be awfully tempting just to stay in that discipline and keep winning a ton of races, sort of a la big bucks. Yeah, he looks like a chaser. He's a beautiful looking horse. So maybe they want to have a dart. But then again, there's just a ton of good races at his mercy, I think. What? And you, I got kitted into trying to oppose him before the race because there was so there was so much opposition numerically, and you looked at horses who had plenty of talent and thought they might come back. But Forheen, for all he's got the form at three miles and was brilliant at Punchestown last year, it's it's been mooted that he's a horse who who saves his very very best for that track, but has been so good in the past he's been able to deliver good performances, championship performances at Cheltenham, age of eleven over a trip that's not his optimum. At the festival, he's 
he's run his heart out, hasn't he? Mm. But Paisley Park is the coming force and he's got it all. And it's very hard to see which horse is going to come out and, and be a major danger to him in that staying hurdle division next year. Well, that's the thing. Like Now, you wouldn't necessarily have had Paisley Park at the head of your list. I had him down as, as a handicapper to follow. I didn't have him down as a stairs hurdle winner in the making. But I loved the interview with Lydia afterwards. She had some exceptional interviews throughout the week. And Andrew Gemmell is just great for the sport he's an absolute gentleman but he was making the comparisons as was Lydia between uh, Paisley Park Ingalls Driever and Big Bucks and from what Andrew has said it's absolutely a case of that this horse stays over hurdles and will try and emulate those horses that I've just mentioned Um, and Kevin it's very very difficult to see who's going to come through even though he was the surprise package this season it's difficult to see what can emerge to stop him next year yeah, that's it. You never know what's coming. Uh, you know, this time last year, Paisley Park was after finishing tailed off in Albert Bartlett uh, and was rated 140. You know, so you wouldn't have, uh, he wouldn't have been on your mind for anything like this um, a year ago. So you never know. But Jesus uh, will struggle to come up with a better, a better staying hurdle type than Paisley Park, won't we? Because he just, he is exactly what you want. Um, and I'm delighted he got the job done here. There, it wasn't without its its anxious moments as Nick has said, but uh, geez, when the turbo kicked in, wasn't he impressive? He, he really, you know, if, he, if he'd winged the last, he, he would have bolted up. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, Sam Spinner finishing second, you know, would, would have you dragging down the form a little bit, the bare form, but um, Paisley's better than that. You know, and he just, he, he's everything you want to see. You'd be thrilled for his connections. I hope they stay over hurdles. He'll, he'll win three of these um, if he stays sound. You know, just the seven-year-old, just his ninth run over hurdles. Um, exactly what you want for this race. And, um, and yeah, just fun to watch again, like like the Ryanair, just a, a, a wonderful race to just be walking around afterwards because you could see how much it meant to, to people with zero connection, direct connection to the horse. It was just a, a real heart warmer. Um, and it was such a dramatic race. And even um the the Faheen supporters got a good roar through the race as well and he he went out in the shield you know put in as good around the jumping as he ever has um and just isn't the force of old i think it's probably fair to conclude um to be fair to him he battled away late on and got the better of bob palm came back and nipped him for third so it was a very honorable performance from him but um Paisley Park is four years younger. He's the coming force, and by God, it'll, it'll take a fair horse to knock him off that perch, I'd say, going forward. Yeah. Uh, owner is adamant that he stays over hurdles. It's <coughs> chasing for Bob Palm next. Fohina, I presume, will run at Punchestown. Can you explain why there was no Sam Spinner shaped puddle down at the start, Kevin Blake? Why did he perform so well this year? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Um, to be honest, though, I was, I was watching him like a hawk last season in the prelims. Um, but I can't say I paid any special attention to him this year, to be brutally honest. Yeah. But um, thirty-three it, it to one, he was out of our minds. It, it was it was great to see him bounce back now after what had been a really disappointing and frustrating season for him. So you'd you'd have to take your hat off to Jed O'Keefe and uh, to, for to Joe Colliver for getting him back because he looked like a horse that was thoroughly out of love with the whole thing mm. earlier this season. But they they got him back on the day that mattered most and. 
if they can get him to consistently reproduce this level of form, he'll be he'll continue to be a factor in the division, and I'm sure he'll he'll have his days along the way. And nothing wrong with picking up almost sixty nine thousand pounds sterling as well for being runner up at Cheltenham. Just briefly, Nick, Emma Lavelle has promised to be an exceptional trainer for a very long time. Paisley Park is her first Grade One winner and has now given her her second. It's it's overdue and it's well deserved, and also it's great for Aidan Coleman too because he's not necessarily known for big race winners at the Cheltenham Festival but is a terrifically talented jockey in his own right so it's great for for these connections that they're the ones winning a major race at Cheltenham yeah Aidan Coleman has had quite an unusual career because you don't normally go a thousand winners and, and not really have any massively high profile horses that you've been associated with but he rode plenty of big Saturday winners for Venetia Williams and he's ridden a few for John Joe but he needed this horse you're right he needed a, a horse of this caliber to really kind of Push him to the push him to the next level and regularly get on horses of Grade One caliber. As for Emma Lavelle, don't forget she's tasted Cheltenham's success before with Crackaway Jack and Paws and Claws. Crackaway Jack, of course, was the next big thing, wasn't he? When he won the Fred Winter and then he came out the following season. Do you remember he absolutely bolted up in a race at Chepstow, and I think he was briefly favourite for the Champion Hurdle because he he absolutely hosed up in a a good race at Chepstow off top weight, and everybody thought, well, hang on a minute, this is the real deal, and he just never quite cut it at the top level. But if you've got a string that is significantly fewer, that numbers significantly fewer than a Nichols or a Henderson or an Elliott or a Mullins or a De Bromhead or whoever, or a Joseph O'Brien, then these horses are extremely hard to come by, even if you have got some big spenders. And yeah, it's great for her and I hope she enjoys it while he lasts. Yeah, absolutely. A uh, huge win for Emma Lavelle. <clears throat> Second year <clears throat> in a row that you are perfectly fine, Nick. It's very unusual that you would <clears throat> be doing that in life. <clears throat> yeah. Just get it out of your system. Post-Cheltenham frog in my throat. There we are, it's gone now. (laughs) Nothing wrong with it. Uh, For the second year in a row, Lizzie Kelly wins a big handicap at the Cheltenham Festival. So sisters, have you heard, are doing it for themselves. Rachel Blackmore wins. Bryony Frost wins. Emma Lavelle's got a big winner. And Lizzie Kelly gets her second big handicap win at Cheltenham in the space of two years. This was an important win for her. And... She's beating the really well-backed and highly fancy Janika at the same time, Nick. This was a, a fairly strong performance from her. It's good also, Sarah Delac, isn't he? I'm, I wonder where he'll end up a year from now and what his distance requirements are. Mm. He's a sort of horse you'd think will want a little bit further to be seen at his very best. If that's the case, then that's pretty impressive. They've done that unusual double of winning the, the race on trials day and then coming on and winning this race. Define the handicapper in the process. Good ride. Um, as well and and three of the best jumping you mentioned Rachel Blackmore three of the best jumping performances of the week actually four of the best jumping performances of the week Frodon Sira Dulac Aplutar and Minella Indo in the Albert Bartlett I thought jumped absolutely brilliantly uh, all for female professional riders and I'm a big fan of Lizzie Kelly I think she's very good for the game she speaks well she's um, she's quite passionate she's got lots of opinions but she delivers them well um, and it's probably been quite nice for her not to have all the attention focused upon her since the emergence of uh, of Bryony and uh, and she's delivered some some sparkling rides in the interim so yeah good on her um, I think Sarah Dulac's a, an exciting horse for next year 100 probably wants a bit of cut in the ground though yeah I, I would think that the good to soft was ideal for him but um, fully echo your comments about Lizzie Kelly Kevin your assessment of the brand advisory and Mary Buller's stable plate handicap chase um, yeah just good hardy performance wasn't it uh, Sarah Dulac had done a very similar thing on trials day and around this course and distance on this this particular course, um, the, the front the leaders tend to be hard to peg back. And um, there's clearly a good horse making the running. They got into a lovely rhythm 
and uh, and stuck his head down and battled. And the second is a horse I like, and I still don't think we've seen the best of him. You know, this was a big effort to go close off one five six, but I think he's a good horse. And uh, the more I look at it, you know, I'd, I'd love to see them drop him to two miles. Um, I think that might be a help to him and it, it might seem like an odd thing to do but I wouldn't be against putting a pair of cheek pieces on him because he, I think he, he's got a there's a bit of funniness in him um, I noted there on trial say he was engaged in a battle with Saru Delac and he was down the inner but if you look at the close up shots he's pricking one ear when he's engaged in a battle like he's clearly doing a bit of thinking about the, about the job um, he's a horse that races quite freely and yeah, I just I drop him the two miles, stick a pair of cheek pieces on him, uh, and just see what happens. Hmm. I I suspect there's a heap of ability in there. Look, clearly he's finished second, close second off one five six, but um, I think actually I look at it now, he's gone up six pounds for that, so he's now one sixty two. So I think his days and handicaps are over. But it just wouldn't be a shock to me now if he turned out if he turned out to be even better than that. But maybe a drop to two miles might be what brings it about. Could be talking absolute rubbish, but um, I haven't watched him closely now since he's come over from France. I think that that might just be the combination of things that he needs to to put all the ability that he has down on the track. We've had four runnings of the Dawn Run Novices Hurdle for Mayors, and all four have been won by Willie Mullins. And on an emotional day already, it was added to by the bombshell from Noel Feely that this is going to be his, his final season as a jockey. And there was a very nice moment at Plumpton where um, he was uh, given some honours today. I, I thought Friday when the jockeys gave him a guard of honour was a, a really nice moment as well. But this was a, a terrific ride. He was given the instructions to hold the horse up. <laughs> That's exactly what he did. She's obviously going to get further in time. But the runner-up, you've got to feel for Danny, riding a horse who'd never jumped a hurdle in public, and you just get nutted on the line. Nick, it was an exceptional training performance from Willie Mullins. Well, it may be one of the lower-profile races of the meeting, but it had within it some terrific stories. I mean, you may touched on a few of them. First of all, Mullins won two, Mullins winning the race again. Second, Danny Mullins' heart-wrenching quest for a festival winner, and again he goes down by it. And those didn't his mother beat him once by an yeah 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 I've never seen anyone look so sorry to have won a race. Um, <laughs> Mags Mullins that day, I, it just again yeah, concertista nearly winning a a race at the Challenge Festival on her on her hurdles debut. Full marks incidentally to the Bloodstock expert in the Racing Post who put that up as a horse to back on pedigree. Yeah, that was amazing, amazing Whoa. results. Really? 66 <laughs> to 1 and went within a nose. Yeah, you go back and look through your racing post the week before Cheltenham. Now, I, I'm going to do whoever it was a disservice, but it was either Martin, Martin Stevens, or Ollie O'Donoghue, one of them. Uh, oh, I, I don't know. It could have been, I, I, but I'm pretty sure it's one of the two who put up Concertista as a likely one on pedigree take by Nathaniel for the Dawn Run Mayor's Hurdle. That, take a bow for that. Well, uh, I, I tell I, you what, uh, Danny fancied her. Danny was making a case mm. for <laughs> <laughs> which I which I thought was bananas given it was a hurdling debut, but he was he was quietly confident that she'd go very very well. And and as for Noel Feely, you know he he is a brilliant rider. He has been a brilliant rider, but he was the brilliant rider that everybody woke up to 15 years too late, as Charlie mm. Mann said. Yeah, he's got a great CV: two champion hurdles, brace of King George's, champion chase, second in a Gold Cup, placed in a Grand National. But you feel it's a CV that should have looked like. 2025 festival winners rather than sort of under half that and 
Yeah, he he was unlucky in the early part of his career that there were a few of the older jockeys that weren't retiring. And in the second part of his career that he probably should have had the stable jockey's job to, well, he did as good as have the stable jockey's job to Paul Nichols. And then uh, then he got he got bust two or three times quite badly. And that cost him a ride on Corto Star and a King George and a Masterminded and Twist Magic and all sorts of other horses. And then it then the sands shifted and Sam Tristan Davis ended up getting a job but yeah he's a he's a guy that or Daryl Jacobs sorry ended up getting the job but you know he's a he's a guy that but for a few unlucky breaks could have land could have landed on a fair few more good horses but less well on the positives he's been a terrific rider and yeah, he talked to some of those I talked to Josh Moore yesterday I was doing some filming down at Gary's and he just said no just the best the best as you and say that, you just, just you know everyone thinks that. You just remind me of just how many stable jockeys Paul Nichols has gone through. But anyway, uh, no, a fantastic career for Noel Feely. And um, the point he was making was that he had that uh, serious problem back in January, and he would have hated to go out that way. And he's very pleased that he can go out this way, that he can announce his, his retirement on the back yeah. of a, a Cheltenham winner. Yeah. And look, I hope he stays fit and sound and well, and uh, and can enjoy his retirement uh, again. Kevin Blake. One for the good guys as Derek O'Connor gets up on any second now for J. But I, I tell you what, Ken, it's just before we move on from the mayor's novice. Yeah, go on. Um, we'll, we'll give a quick word on the Fav Epiton, who, who I thought was probably let down by her jumping a little bit. She was very settled yeah. in, the, in the hood, in the prelims. I was keeping a real close eye on her. She was very good in the prelims. She settled, she settled fine. Um, so I don't think that was an excuse, but her jumping was, was, wasn't brilliant. Um, and Posh Trish, I was disappointed with. Uh, was in the right spot, but it didn't didn't run up to form for whatever reason. Um, and here's a question for you, Nick. Look, go on. Should this race be at the Cheltenham Festival? <laughs> yeah, I don't mind it being at the Cheltenham Festival. I wouldn't mind seeing it over two and a half miles because I think the type of horses that it's trying to promote through the game uh, would be better served by a slightly stiffer test of stamina. Um, so I'd like to see the conditions revised to that effect. I think. If I was to change anything at this point, I don't. I don't have any objection to it being at the festival. Um, you know, I think we're we're probably, and I know, I know, any number of people closely connected with the racecourse will staunchly deny. And I and and I don't. I don't doubt that their their veracity either, because I know that there's people very closely connected with the management of the racecourse who really don't want a five day festival. I personally think it's inevitable. Oh, and, God. Ugh, oh, my God. I, I think it's inevitable. So I think we'll all just have to suck it up at some point that there's going to be five days of six races apiece. Oh, my Which God. Which means you only, you only have to add another couple uh, to oh. what's already there. Um, and, you know, you can probably take it as read that the four-miler gets changed or goes or something. So, I don't know. Just just sticking it out there. I prefer yeah. this race to be over two and a half miles. Jesus, yeah, I, I don't like. I don't like it. I, I, I do like the race, but I just don't think this is the place for it. Uh, you know, if you have a really good uh, female novice hurdler, they're they're very well catered to by by the other races. You know, this was the first year where we didn't have a real standout contender for it, and we've ended up with with a load of mares finishing in a heap, running to somewhere probably in the mid one thirties. And I, I just don't think that fits into what the Cheltenham Festival is all about personally. And I don't, I completely get it. Developing the mayor's program, highly, highly important. And they've been doing a great job with it in the last five or six years. But that doesn't mean you have mm. to have a race like this at um, to, 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 to roll out the cliche, the Olympics it, of horse racing. I, it, I doesn't, it, do, it, it doesn't quite feel like it's 
achieving what it was set out to achieve, mm. put it that way. Mm. It's enough, but then I worry about that with all new races added to the festival or all races at the festival, whatever their essence is, they simply become targets now, don't they? So you yeah. put a, you put a, if you put a, uh, well, veterans race is a bad example because you need an exposed horse, but the more you specify the conditions, the more, the more, um, industrious bloodstock agents will simply be told go and get me one for that yeah so it's actually there's something completely it's supposed to be promoting the sort of organic side of the sport if you like you know people bringing horses through and breeding from good horses and producing mares and blah 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 it's kind of doing nothing of the sort because it's just a very rich owner says to willie mullins go and spend 300 grand on the best filly you can find in France and run it in the Mayor's Novice Hurdle because I want a winner at Cheltenham. Mm. It's sort of getting away from what it was designed to achieve, I think. So somewhere between us, we've got to figure out a way of creating a Mayor's programme that does what it's supposed to do. Yeah, I, I don't mind the race. I just don't think the Cheltenham Festival is <laughs> the place for it. You know, run it some, run it some other day, some some mm. other place. I just, I just don't know if it fits in for me. Well, if what Fake Nick Luck is... <laughs> If what Nick Luck has Tremor. just said is, um, <laughs> <laughs> hey, Tremor produced the Gold Cup winner this year, not the Certainly wrong with Tremor. Plumpton produced the Triumph Hurdle. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Lorena won her maiden hurdle at Tremor. Yeah, yeah. But um, <laughs> if uh, if what Nick Luck is, uh, has said is to come to fruition, then you're going to have to get used to a whole lot of new races as well, Kevin Blake. Um, oh, any second geez. now, briefly to wrap things up with him, one for the good guys. Again, JP McManus in the winner's enclosure. Best interview of the week. If you don't like racing go watch Peppa Pig quote Ted Walsh <laughs> um, to be fair to this horse he's, he's been the subject of of you know crazily wild market support a couple of times and this was another one now you, you'd look at him here and you wouldn't have had him at six to one you really wouldn't have and the other occasion was the the Paddy Power last year um, last December, I should say, fiercely, fiercely competitive handicap, and he was backed all the way down to five to one. And it just, it just seemed a bananas price. Um, and he ran, he ran all right that day, and he's gone a one here, and he's clearly a horse that shows them loads um, to to have attracted such mad market support a couple of times now. And um, not a bad old way to to break your maiden over fences. He's he's been long enough trying, and um, a case of job well done by by Ted and and Katie there. Day. And Derek, of course. And Derek, of course, as well, who's one of the best jockeys never to become a professional. On to day four, and I can't tell you the excitement I had uh, building up to the JCB Triumph Hurdle, which was done very, very well by you, Nick, and the team, and Lydia. And I had the wind sucked out of me. Um, you could just tell instantly that poor Sir Eric was, was a goner. He did not deserve that. Kevin, you were very closely associated with him. You had some eloquent words on eloquent words on on Twitter to say about him. He's a. It's just sad. It's just very very sad. Um, that's it. Yeah, Jesus. Um, I, I've personally never felt as sick on a race course in my life, and uh, you know, I'm not the one that's dealing with him day in day out like all the lads are. Poor Ali there was that looks after him. Was stood in the parade ring with with a lead rope, and he didn't know where to, where to look or what to say or where to go. Or it was it was just absolutely horrendous to be honest. But um, you know, not something you want to see happen to any horse. But I think it's only natural that when it's a horse like him who, um, you know. You'd be dreaming of him being a, a you know a champion hurdler, or a Group One winner on the flat and the stallion, and geez, he did all ahead of him, and um, as well as being 
you know, a, a super promising horse. She's just a gentleman. And I think that the world uh, got to see that um, in, in the prelims and when he was being reshod down at the start, you know, just a, a real gentleman, um, which makes it extra sickening. Uh, it, it was just, it, it, was, it was horrendous. Um, and you could sense it on the race course there, just like you say, the, 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 the wind was sucked out of the whole place. Um, after that but but there you go you know racing's a very very tough game at times and um, you know just to say because it was inevitably commented on afterwards um, and I don't want to dwell on it because it doesn't deserve to be dwelled on but um, if there was a correlation between uh, stone bruises and pulling a shoe with catastrophic fractures of cannon bones uh, there wouldn't be many horses left in the country so um, I wouldn't fall into the trap of going down that road um, completely and utterly unconnected. Uh, the horse was x-rayed and scanned before he left. Um, given that the, the stone bruise issue was very well documented, um, the already very rigorous veterinary checks that were done on every runner at Cheltenham, um, you, you can take it from me, that horse was examined more closely than any horse all week. And everyone was was very happy with him. Uh, just one of those things that happens on occasion, and uh, you know, what can you say? What can you say? A real sickener. It was just awful, and I I really feel for for Joseph and connections, and 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 honestly, the whole day was was just a downer on, on the back of that. And and look, we'll talk about great successes later on, but sympathies to, to Joseph, to JP, to Frank, to you, Kevin, and to everybody associated with the horse. Um, Nick, you were talking about what a professional he was down at the start as well and just how ice cool he was, particularly <clears throat> given the fact that, that he's a gelding. I, I think one of the most interesting things about this and it, it's very important that Kevin makes that point. It, it was completely unreal. It was a catastrophic injury, is how the Cheltenham veterinary expert described it to Francesca Kamani and Ed on ITV. Totally unrelated to anything that had happened previously. It was a catastrophic injury, and it can happen from time to time. But the winning trainer, Nikki Henderson, was in tears being interviewed by Lydia. And I thought that... And, and, and at first of all, I was wondering, is he in tears because he's won? But he started to talk about Sir Eric and could barely get the words out. So even he, and we know Nicky can be quite emotional, but even yeah. he was, was badly affected yeah. by it. And you've got to remember that by the time you get to the Friday of the Cheltenham Festival, your emotions are at a fairly intense uh, level anyway. Mm. You know, you, you've probably experienced enough enough ups and downs during the course of those three days to to last you most of the year. So you're, you're probably pretty shredded by the time something has as awful as that occurs. And you're right, it was, I, listen, we, we've all presided over um, race days for radio and television over the years where, where horses have lost their lives and it is always sad. I'm not saying you become desensitized to it, but you accept it as, as part of the game when, when unfortunate occurrences take place. But there was something shocking about this. It was, it, it was visibly clearly a lot more shocking than most incidents of this nature. But I think the horse had already developed a, a significant, as Kevin was saying, a significant following. He had a bit of presence about him. He was still an entire. And I think the sad thing for me was that 
he he promised so much. He promised. There's a sense of massive sense of unfinished business. He promised so much on the race course, and then you know, there was that tantalising possibility that he might actually be one of those rare top class jump sources who end up being a stallion. And yeah. uh, that's kind of what I was looking forward to. Really, I was looking forward to his racing career, maybe being a champion hurdler, and then and th- and then his legacy thereafter. And I think you know he he was one of those horses. I'm not I'm not overstating this. He's one of those horses who had the potential to be a bit of a game changer. And I think that's why. It's it's apart from the obvious reasons, and and apart from feeling incredibly sad for those who uh, were very close to the horse and and looked after him and enjoyed him. I just think it was it was kind of sad for the for the game as a whole. And yeah, he does leave a he does leave a fairly significant uh, for significant hole, I think. And I think Joseph had happily have given back those two winners if he could have Sir Eric back. I know that sounds a bit trite, but. Um, I suspect that's probably no, the case. Given that's that's don't, don't, don't doubt that for yeah, a second. Yeah, that's 100% yeah. true. And you could even see that in Joseph's interviews with, with Lydia afterwards as well and, and just how shaken he was. And think of, mm. think of the fact that man has grown up in racing and has seen it all from the highs to the lows to the highs again, like he was shaken. Um, quick word on, on Pentland Hills. I, I can't help mm. but think that Sir Eric would have just destroyed this field on a line through Curse Sublime and... And Gardens Maybe. Babylon, but look, Nicky Henderson has has won the race. Uh, it secured Nico de Boinville top rider uh, briefly on on him. Nick, your analysis of of his performance? Yeah, I think he's a pretty good horse. I don't think the juveniles are a great bunch, and I think no, I agree with you. I, I'd have liked to have thought that Sir Eric would have won, but Pentland Hills, given that he nearly came down at the first, or sort of over jumped through greenness, and Nico very very nearly came off. It was a hell of a performance. He he's absolutely bolted up, really, and. The, the jockey said after Plumpton he was mad keen to run. And, you know, Nicky couldn't quite get his head around it because he's quite an unexceptional horse to look at. He's medium-sized, doesn't really stand out from the crowd, does his work. Uh, was a set mid-70s rated flat horse, looked pretty exposed. But the jockey was absolutely clear that since he'd gone to seven barrows and had eight flights of hurdles in front of him, he was a, he was a different ball game altogether. Not, I mean, not dissimilar in terms of that side of his profile to Punjabi, who... who was a you know, mid seventies rated flat horse. If that had ended up winning a, a bad race at Ludlow, finishing fourth in the Triumph Hurdle, and then going on to win a Champion Hurdle, but um, Henderson can do it. He's always had that skill of turning a bang average flat horse into really quite a good jumper. Uh, there's no trainer better at training ex flat horses than Nicky Henderson. I, I, I don't care where they are. He is absolutely brilliant at it. Uh, he gets them to settle. He gets them to look enthusiastic about their jumping. And no matter how many runs they've had on the flat, they seem to be sort of fresh and enthusiastic for him. So I wasn't I wasn't massively surprised, even though it was a, a bit of a shock. And he I think he'll he'll take a bit of beating at Aintree unless Joseph's Fred Winter horse runs against him, in which case I suspect that'll win. But if if uh, if if Joseph's Fred Winter horse doesn't turn up in the anniversary hurdle at Aintree, I suspect Pentland Hills will win and give his three thousand owners a another kick yeah just the, just the 3,000 owners and you were making the point that uh, on, on the telly that Nicky was surprised by Punjabi's champion hurdle win and that he was equally as surprised by this which I, I thought was a nice reference as well uh, so. N- N- Nicky's still surprised by champion, <laughs> uh, Punjabi's champion hurdle win I think he's st- I honestly I still think he walks into his office every day and the record books in front of him and it says 2008 Punjabi anyway I'm sure Binocular won that record no Nicky Punjabi actually won the champion hurdle in 2008 how, how, how do we beat him? I, I, I still know. Uh, Chittabello ran in the champion hurdle last oh, yes. year. He ran a cracker at Aintree back in December. He had wind surgery in the 17th of December. And Dan Skelton, who is developing quite the habit of winning the county hurdle, 
pulls it off yet again uh, for listeners to this podcast, indeed. His third win in the county hurdle in four years. Nick, this was quite a training performance. To be fair, he did tell everyone before the race as well. I he mean, did. it's not as though he kept it a secret. I'm just amazed he, he went off such a big price. It, I'm, I'm, a, I'm becoming a big fan of the Skeltonian uh, post-race. That's a, that's, a, that's a very enjoyable watch now. It's becoming, it's definitely of the Nichols school, isn't it? Because uh, after, after the race, Lydia interviewed him and he said, I told Harry, you got 10 pounds in hand, just go out and enjoy yourself. Uh, and ride him as coolly as you like. And he told the owners 15 months ago, he's been disappointed, he's had a hard race, but don't worry, we'll get him sorted out for the county hurdle in 15 months' time. I mean, that's, uh, oh, that, was, that was magnificent stuff. I very much enjoyed that. And, yeah, they were confident. And, yeah, the horse did have a load in hand because they got him back to the sort of form when he was bustling up the new one and what have you. And then off a mark in the 140s, you've got to be competitive in a, in a county hurdle. Sounds easy to do, rather more difficult to execute. Absolutely. But um, anyone who can nail three county hurdles in four years knows how to train. Yeah, Dan, mm. Dan Skelton just has, like, it seems to be Dan and Willie have worked out, and, and Paul Nichols to an extent as well, have worked out how you win this race, Kev. But that, that's extraordinary. Three wins in four years, and to tell Ian and the owners 15 months ago, yeah, by the way, you're going to win the county hurdle at Cheltenham in 2019. Um, it, it, was a, it was a special performance, and, and from a horse who's deserved a big win. Yeah, a really, really, really good job of training. As Nick says, it looks easy on paper, but you go and try and do it. And um, really, a, a really good case of job well done. Um, Ian Marmion is, is stuck in this fella, a really nice guy. Um, I'm sure he hit him hard. He wouldn't be afraid to have a good bet. Come on, Ian. <laughs> and uh, a really nice guy that's stuck in a heap of horses. You know, he puts plenty back into the game. Uh, and you love to see guys like that that roll the dice. Um, in in the in the unequal game of ownership, um, you love to see them get a big win like this, and you could tell that it gave them a massive, massive thrill. Mm. And, and don't abs- and don't forget, they left three pounds behind at Aintree as well. So <laughs> so they'd come down and come down, and then he 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 ran quite well at Aintree before Christmas. <laughs> Handicapper bopped him up three pounds, and they probably thought, well, yikes, we better give him a wind up now. That, that, that was all about getting the bigger price. <laughs> <laughs> but that was the extraordinary thing. It was too well enough, one for three. <laughs> he, was, he was eight to one. He opened nines. He goes out to twelves and, and won basically as you liked. It, it was just fantastic. Great to see. And uh, congratulations to Connections. Seriously, Ian uh, and the, uh, the skeleton team. Well done. Uh, well done to Rachel Blackmore, who missed out on the record by a day. I'm sure she won't mind. Uh, but she becomes the second female rider to win a grade one at the Cheltenham Festival over obstacles. <laughs> Getting it right this time. In the potato race, um, Manello Indo for Henry de Bromhead, 50 to 1, Kevin Blake. Uh, we've seen big price winners of this race in the past, and Rachel just gave this one an absolutely brilliant ride. Yeah, this is a right good horse, I'd say. This is a right good horse. Totally uh, agree. He was up in the van there, probably doing a little bit more than Rachel would have liked. But uh, for him to keep galloping as he did, um, this is a right good horse, I think. And I know he was a big price. He was a maiden coming into it. But this is a chaser all over. And uh, this is a right good horse. <laughs> I'd really be looking forward to him. I really, really would. Um, he'd, he'd take your eye now walking around the ring and there'd be one job for him and no better man than Henry to get him to... Uh, to, to deliver him to uh, you know to a big novice chase campaign and um, one more time this is a really good horse 
Kevin Blake, this is a really good horse. By the way, props to Tony Keenan, who in our National Hunt preview named this as a horse to follow. And uh, one of our listeners, Jane, sent me a, a DM of her at the races tracker pointing out that the horse was running. She completely ignored him at 50 to 1 and was sick <laughs> about it. But well done, Keenan. Well done. Um, briefly, Nick, for you, Manila Indo. Uh, Ooh, great yes. story for Rachel Blackmore. Great story for Henry de Burmhead. And do you know what? This is a right good horse. <laughs> do you reckon? Um, do you think? Do you know he's he's bred to be a right good horse too? He's from Dick Lawler's family, the Carrigans, yeah. and they're all mares. And he is kept it that, all is it that all be- Dick Layler? <laughs> Very good. Very good. Um, a bit more successful than his equine equivalent at Cheltenham, that's for sure. <laughs> as a breeder, this. Um, yeah, and the two girl, Benatar, very good horse for Gary Moore, and this one. So he's a, he's bred to be a very good horse, and he has, unlike the other big prize winners of the uh, Potato Race, the Bertie's Dreams and the Nenufar Collange, and oh, Jesus, whatever the other one was that won at a million to one that had had 152 runs. This very horse only had a handful of runs and was coming along nicely and had had form behind Alaho. So it wasn't a okay. Yeah, he was 50 to one because the race had some depth, but. There was nothing fluky or weird about it. He is a, as Kevin Blake has rightly pointed out, he is a very, very smart <laughs> horse. This his jumping was absolutely brilliant. He's uh, and I, I think he's probably a. They've got to be thinking that he's a future Gold Cup horse, haven't they? No, oh, but yeah. Nice for uh, Barry Maloney as well. He's a he's a top man and would have been pleased, but probably a little bit deflated with Monoli. And this would have been. This would have been a great result. And, 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 clear, and clearly the trainer backed him as well, because as soon as uh, uh, Lydia asked him, and 50 to 1, Henry Manella Rindo, he said, yeah, 80s on the exchanges. <laughs> so um, <laughs> he, he just tumbled out. So he'd, always, he'd obviously backed him. Good plug but for it, Betfair there. It's, uh, very quickly, it, it's interesting. I, I spoke to Henry about him before Cheltenham, and you know he, he said that this fella is, is incredibly laid back and lazy. Um, and I was making the point and go, that's slightly surprising, you know, because his half-brother, Benatar, looks like a bit of a lunatic uh, in his races, at least. It's like, no, 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 really, really laid back, um, exact opposite. And then he goes and he sees notably free out in the front end. So uh, it looks like he's waking up, this horse, but he, he is, he's a right good horse, that's <laughs> Well, I tell you what, if I could just have my two cents on this, and I'd like you to add this to the At The Races tracker, my opinion of him is he's a right good horse, lads. Uh, the <laughs> the Magners Cheltenham Gold Cup went to Willie Mullins, finally six times runner-up in the blue ribbon of racing, and he follows in his father's footstep, Dawn Run for Paddy Mullins, album photo for Paul Townend, uh, and Willie gets the job done. He was wholesome in his praise of Paul Town and afterwards you may very well have spotted as Lydia was conducting her interview with Willie a certain Kevin Blake and Brando says go in the background constantly long lingering in the background as Lydia conducts the interview uh with Willie um fantastic performance from from him but also a pretty special performance from the horse to be fair uh, at one stage it looked as though it was going to be a repeat of last year with Mike Biden and Native River serving it up to each other once again but Paul Townend always looked comfortable on him Nick and it was some performance by the end I think when all said and done and when you've talked about Willie Mullins getting his first gold cup and the significance of Townend's moment of redemption and the disappointing run of presenting Percy and Clandes Oboe not staying and a gallant run from Annabelle Fly and 
I think you just boil it down to the fact that this is a Gold Cup that's been won by a very, very good horse. Uh, everything is there to tell you that he adopted a handy position off a pretty scorching pace. He and Clanders were the only two that could do that. The others picked up the pieces from the back. Yeah, he took the race up at a, a you know two from home. Got terrific jumps two out in the last. He was quite long and low. Yeah, bounded up the run in the time was fantastic relative to the the other time performances on Friday. It really was best time of the week, really, uh, as you'd like to see from the Gold Cup. He's a young horse. Okay, presenting Percy had had an unorthodox preparation. This horse had had a pretty unorthodox preparation. You know, one spin at Tremor since that um, aberration at Punchestown, and that was it. Uh, he produced a thwacking figure on that day, and you thought, well, is it a bit of a fluke? Is it a weird result, or has he improved that much? And the answer was conclusively the latter. Um, yeah, I just hope we get to see the horse run a little bit more next year because I don't see any reason why he shouldn't. He's looks pretty straightforward to me. Should have really paid more attention to William Mullen's comment during the Dublin Racing Festival that we won't run him unless we get the right ground. We're going to wait with him because that indicates that he's a horse that they obviously think an awful lot of. But one of the quotes that I was really taken by Kevin was they were talking about obviously the incident that happened to Punchestown and how much stick and abuse that Paul Townend got for that. And the Donnellys rang Willie Mullins and Paul Townend the next day and said, look, we've been in this game a long time and we've seen everything. You have our full support. You know, we yeah, are very happy for you. It's, it's, it's- it's very admirable, isn't it? Very much um, so. Very, very much so. And and how well he's rewarded them. Ah, uh, yeah, and you could tell. Like, and Paul isn't the isn't the big one now for outward shows of emotion. Uh, but you could tell, like this, this. Of course, winning the gold cup will always fire a fellow up. But I think that added layer of circumstance. Looking back to Punchestown last season, I think that just made it even sweeter. And uh, you know, like, there's there's plenty of really good riders that have never won a gold cup, and Paul's in the club now. And uh, with a real good horse, like Nick says. And Willie, you know, Willie's had a tough season. I'd say a lot tougher that, that, than he'll ever let on in public. And he really minded this fella. He waited until the, one of the very rare glimpses of soft ground we had in Ireland this season. And he fired him a tremor um, there on New Year's Day. And he got the job done and he minded him again since then. But he delivered him to the big day in, in, in tip-top form. And... You know, a good gold cup would have been a great gold cup, but album photo really put a, his stamp on it. And there's no reason why he couldn't return and make a bold bid. He's only a seven-year-old, you know, low mileage in general. And um, he, he really seemed to relish the test. And to be fair to Witty, like, I know you, you, if you looked at his form, we'll say coming into this season, you might say, oh, well, is, is he going to be a real stayer? Is he going to be a real stayer as in a gold cup horse? Or could it be one that proves best at three or maybe even two and a half? But... You know, as Willie has done a few times over the years, sometimes he'll go, he'll really be quite bullish with you and say, no, no, this is a stayer. I would have no concerns about stamina with him. And, and he said that about Album Photo at the start of the season. And he was very much proven to be correct, as he, as he more often than not is, to be fair, um, in this case. And, you know, with, with presenting Percy, just a quick line on him. Yeah, because um, never the, the RSA chase never, form like all correlates here. Like obviously, album photo was the one who fell and and ended up seriously injuring Ruby Walsh. But presenting Percy had him well held, so there was a lot of talk on social media afterwards that oh the reason that the horse got beaten was the stupid campaign of, of Pat Kelly. No. But album photo only had one run, so mm-hmm. you can't say that. Yeah, look, it's 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 not the preparation itself; it's why the preparation came about. 
you know I don't think we, we necessarily got the full story maybe we did but you know something that happened there that might have been a thing because he's come back um, laying behind and if you watch the first fence closely Kimboy basically jumps into the back of him and when he's coming down and I just wonder because it was a horse that was never travelling at all and I just wonder did he get hurt at the first fence mm. uh, when Kimboy jumped into him um, it's a possibility look really disappointing hopefully he comes back I don't know if we'll see him again this season but um, you'd love to see him get a full a full run at it next season in a more typical one ground wise and hopefully he's any issues that he may or may not have had this season won't affect him because you know the memory of that RSA chase would stay with you uh, and hopefully we can see him back to that at some stage because it, it'd be an awful pity if that proves to be um, his his peak moment in his career. Yeah, absolutely. He's still only eight, so he'd be nine going for the Gold Cup next year. So it would be nice to think that he can come back to his best. William Mullins fired four bullets at it. Three of them did not complete. And tragically, we lost Invitation Only, who was a fantastic winner at Gorn. It was a bad week for Graham Wiley and, and thoughts with him. Um, it must have been tough Bristol de May defied many people's opinions fair play to Rory Delargy he put him up at a big price each way so hopefully you've got some gravy there uh, Nigel had some very interesting comments to make to Lydia afterwards in a fairly sparky interview to say the least the reigning champion Native River finishes fourth and Clan de Sobo could only manage fifth um, brief words on those horses Nick Disappointed with Clan Day's oboe because I thought he was going well enough between the bypassed three out to take a hand. And I think his rider did too. He pricked his ears and filled him up. Thought he and Album Photo would fight out the finish. In the end, one's gone on to win well and the other's faded to finish fifth. I don't think it's just lack of stamina. Maybe a combination of track, ground, and perhaps that just stretched him a little bit. But I, I still believe he's a very good horse. I still believe he's better than that, even though he ran okay. Native River was beaten when the tapes went up and how the hell he got into fourth is a mystery. Testament to some, something of his courage and something of Richard Johnson's persistence. But he's not going to be troubling the scorers in a, in a major grade one chase, I don't think. Again, um, who was third? Bristol DeMay, Bristol amazing DeMay. performance. Travelled really well. I, I actually just think he, he, ran out of, he ran out of gas late. Um, fantastic, fantastic performance. I mean, I'd love to see him in the Grand National. Trouble is, he probably probably won't stay, will he? But I think the track it's really, really suits him. And of course, he breaks the race open at top, top weight there and gives Tiger Roll a better chance, theoretically. So I kind of love to oh, see yes. him there. But they'll probably do something sensible, like run him in the Betway Bowl, which he'll probably win. Probably will, to be fair. Um, he probably will because might bite is definitely out of the equation. And I'll just put it to you, Nick, because Kevin and I have spoken about it on the show before, but I think the run of Native River and Might Bite kind of backs up this theory. While last year's Gold Cup was epic and it was something else to be there and see it unfold, I had no financial interest in the two who fought it out, but by God, I was cheering because it was just so exciting. Might Bite went on to entry and, and somehow won. I suspect that Might Bite had the guts ripped out of him that day. Mm. And I've, seen, I've, seen, I've seen quite a few horses go on to and look really, really impressive at entry, and then you'll find that's their last hurrah. Yeah, but I, I just you wonder... Know, it, it was Moscow Flyers' last hurrah, for goodness sake. True. I mean, he went to entry after he'd won his second champion chase and looked absolutely majestic. At the age of 11. And then, and then, and then his next run was a lot worse, and then he completely went to the game. Yeah. And I just wonder if it traces back to that Gold Cup, that it was such a relentless gallop that we know what it did to Denman and we know what it did to Koenigree. And ha has it had a similar effect on, 
on these two giants of the game because they just haven't looked anywhere near what they were last season. Well, Native Rivers just run okay, hasn't he, all three starts this year. And he probably, you know, in the previous year's Gold Cup, the ground was so soft yeah. that he could get to the lead and just roll along nicely. But that was never going to happen this time in quite such straightforward fashion, particularly when he bungled the start and didn't re- he doesn't really want it like he used to want it. Mm. Uh, great moment for Tony Martin as Annabelle Fly goes one step further and third last year, second this time around. That was huge for him and uh, I'd say much needed as well, Kev. Yeah, good run and one that would tee him up nicely for the Grand National, you'd imagine, mm-hmm. having run so well in it last year. Yeah, he can be an honor- Absolutely uh- astonishing this horse's price for the Grand National, isn't it? It just shows you what, what a good race it is this year. What price still, is he? Currently? Isn't he still twelve to one? Is he? I think. I think. Hang on. Let me just double. Let me just check this now, because I don't want to put everyone away. But he's a big price because Tiger rolls five to six one odd, isn't he? Yeah. I'm, I'm he's ju- definitely tens, anyway. I'm just hearing ba- Black Blake Bed have gone nine to four Blake, about him. Blake Bed have gone. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right. Let me have a look at Annibal Fly. Yeah. Twelves. Twelves is there for sure. Yeah. A number of different firms. Jeez. Yeah. That's a big old price. Isn't Tiger it? roll four to one. Four to one with who? Jesus. Name and shame that no, firm. Let me get, let me get the full picture here, but it seems well, to be quite a few firms. I, I actually wouldn't object to Tiger roll. I know I know this is this is not the sort of thing people like hearing, but I wouldn't object to Tiger roll four to one. Were it not for the fact that you've got three horses in, uh, or two horses at any rate, in Annabelle Fly and Wrath uh, uh, Vinden. That if they bowl if they bowled up in nine out of ten Grand Nationals, they'd be a heavy, heavy favourite. Mm. My God, he's four to one best price across the board. Jesus, <laughs> what? <laughs> That's mad, isn't ah, it? Ah, come on now, odds compiler. <laughs> in all fairness, like it's the Grand National. Literally anything can happen. Someone stand a decent price, basically. Tigger so, wins. Basically, so we can get on because he's going to absolutely bolt up. Uh, Nick, look, you're going to have to go, my friend. So um, we will let you. I've got six minutes. If you want a thought on anything else, I'm going to. Yes. I'm going to we'll, let you. We'll gallop. We'll gallop. Kenneth. We'll gallop. I'm going to let you abandon the podcast now because there's going to be a, a, a <laughs> three different races to to discuss. So uh, anything else that you want to mention? And yes. You're I just. Ho- I want to. I want to mention Bundoran's defeat in the Grand Annual as well, the, the oh. hands of Croco Bay, which was oh. on a personal on a personal betting level the sec, uh, second most painful result of the week after Vintage Stars Eclipse in the Ultima, but probably the most enjoyable because Bundoran is just, well, he's just not a heartier battler as some, <laughs> and. As I suggested on on Racing TV last week, I wondered whether he'd been off for a fag behind the bike sheds with single farm payments at Tom George's. <laughs> and uh, I'm, I'm perfectly happy to dust that joke down again for the second week running. Um, but yeah, he, 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 that was infuriating. But I thought that was a great story. Ben Case and Keelan Woods winning with Croco Bay. And actually a brilliant bit of training when you look at it as well, because he'd run well in the race twice before. But at the age of 12, you just thought that he cannot do that. But he could. And it was wonderful. It was lovely to see. It, it was, except for the fact that, and um, Kevin Blake has given them a mention before, so I shall give them a mention as well. Uh, Proform, absolutely fantastic uh, piece of software. And I highly recommend that you use it. And I looked at him and went, nah, I can't back him this time at, at the age of 12. And off he goes. And oh! Anyway, um, it was still a great Cheltenham, so no complaints. Your highlight of Cheltenham 2019, Nick, what is your biggest takeaway? Well, 
The biggest takeaway was that the human interest stories eclipsed stories of brilliance on the track, but the moments of brilliance on the track shouldn't be forgotten in light of that. And I think, uh, as Kevin's rightly pointed out, Manila Indo is a right good horse, but there were some <laughs> other right good horses running. I think we saw three of them in the RSA chase, top of the game, Santini and Delta work, and we saw one absolute superstar in the Gold Cup in, in album photo. I think we need to believe it now that we've seen it. Yeah, absolutely. Nick, look, it is a pleasure having you on the show. As always, looking forward to chatting to you again very, very soon. Uh, all the best. I hope you are fully recovered, and we'll talk to you soon on the Final Four podcast. Thank you, chaps. Cheers. Bye-bye. Take care, Cheers, my friend. Uh, Kevin Blake, you and I shall continue the conversation as we move on to the St. James's Palace Fox Hunter Challenge Cup, which went to... St. James's Palace? The Saint, the, it's St. James's Palace Fox Hunter Challenge Cup <laughs> Open Hunter's Chase, to give it its proper name. So it went to Churchill. Uh, St. Uh, James's Place. Place? Oh, my God. <laughs> Do you know what? It's been a long day. Royal Ascot's coming. Dyslexia is <laughs> kicking in, and um, I've been talking to TalkSport about Royal Ascot, and yeah, there you go. <laughs> that's your, that's the, oh, oh Kenners. Always we getting thought, a plug. We, we thought we'd get a whole podcast in without a needless mention of TalkSport. Always get a plug in. In the, in the final furlong, oh, <laughs> having, having absolutely littered the day one and day two podcasts with needless references to him. Oh, I thought we were... Oh. Always get a plug oh. in, Kev. I Always get a plug. So, Uccello Conti and Stand Up and Fight yes. fight out the finish. Uh, fantastic results. Uh, <laughs> damn it anyway, Kev. What happened here? I was convinced Uccello was going to win. Hazel Hill, the money came. Uh, people seemed to cop on very, very quickly that this horse had... Uh, improved immensely and, and Philip Rowley is, is quite some trainer and um, look kept it simple under Alex Edwards and won it in style yeah this was a great result in many ways uh, you know great to see with a proper point to point horse going and winning this race because ultimately this is what this race is supposed to be all about but um, we've tended it is a race that has tended to be dominated by good horses that have switched their attentions to hundred chasing late in life, uh, whereas this fella uh, has been a pointer since nineteen dickety do, and uh, th this this was a great result. Uh, you'd have to be delighted for it. Uh, brought the race back to its proper roots, and um, you'd ha you'd have to congratulate everyone involved. Yeah, good result. I brought my my lovely mother into town today in Kilkenny, and uh, as I did uh, this gentleman approached me and put his hand out and said hi my name is Niall and I love listening to the podcast and during the course of our conversation he said 19 dickety do so I think it's we're the ones who are having a more effect on that phrase than the Simpsons ever did uh, so nicely done Pasha de Polder was pulled up it was a shame that he couldn't quite replicate or at least finish um, what he had done in the past uh, and Uccello Conti and Stand Up and Fight finished not far apart from one another but as you said Kevin look it was nice that a, an actual point-to-pointer -point went and won the race as opposed to it. Yeah, and I think Pasha the Polder's finished now and he, yeah. he's retired and absolutely magnificent horse over the years. So um, we wish him a, a very long and happy retirement because he's been, a, he's been a super horse over the years. He really has. And Bryony Frost's career, to, to a certain extent, kind of kicked off with his success at the festival a couple of years ago, which reminds me of a conversation I had with Andy Stewart last year at Cheltenham Preview Night I was doing, where he said that he and fellow owners wanted to book Bryony to ride 
their horse or a horse and Paul Nichols said no Sam Tristan Davis is my first jockey Sam obviously no longer is and the situation there is quite fluid and you can see how Harry and Bryony are absolutely thriving so it just is interesting that uh, a lot of high profile owners wanted to use her last year and, um, <laughs> what? That was the most unnecessary story of all time. I think it's quite quite necessary, actually, because poor old Sam has been, you know, he, he's been, he's still used. Uh, We're talking about the Fox Hunter. Yeah, but Brimey Frost won the race two years ago to announce herself on the scene. Come on, Kevin, get with the times, man. Uh, oh, man. We referred to Croco Bay, who has run well in the Grand Annual in the past. The should give it its full title. The Johnny Henderson Grand Annual Challenge Cup. Uh, 66 to 1, Kevin Blake, 12 years of age, and he wins it at the Cheltenham Festival. Uh, stop, yeah. <laughs> not, uh, not what you want when you're chasing your tail there in the, the second last race of the festival. <laughs> Croco Bay, the pop up is it. 66s to sicken everyone but uh but there you go now as, as nick said a great story with ben case and keelan woods uh 12 years of age uh wouldn't i picked him if you gave me 20 picks um but there you go as the man says <laughs> honestly using pro form thank you very much by the way uh using that i was i was going through it and i was look i honestly looked at him kev and i was like yeah, I can see it. Ah, he's 12. I, I won't back him. So I ended up backing another 12-year-old instead. Top gamble. An 11-year-old. <laughs> Top gamble. Explain that to me. Oh, God. Anyway, the well, last... Well, well to, 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 to be fair, if you had given me 20 picks, I probably would have got him seen as there was only 19 runners. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Desperate low for Joseph O'Brien to start the day. Uh, a fantastic high to end it. Early doors, who had run very well at the Cheltenham Festival last year goes and wins the martin pipe conditional jockeys handicap hurdle john joe neal jr is someone that we have both spoken about very highly on the show and, and how he's been around for a long time although it doesn't feel like that and he has learned and clearly is progressing very very well but this was a combination of terrific training from joseph and an ice cool ride from from john joe because for a long long way it looked as though dallas the pictons and deffy blue were the two who were going to fight at the finish and Along comes Joseph's horse. Yeah, um, you have to be delighted for John Joe. You know he's got a he's got a big name to live up to, and you know he he's progressing very well. He's been taken along nice and steadily, and this was a very very good ride. Uh, the horse didn't get get away as well as as was hoped he would. He he was a bit further back than ideal, and then uh, it just it wasn't a race that went hugely to plan. He he got shuffled back towards the rear. Um, early, you know, it just it, it didn't go the way you might have imagined it going for him. But he got a bit hampered at the second last. But he, he got a split when he needed it, and and John Joe was good and strong on him. And uh, you know, Dallas Depicton was travelling a fair bit better than him. But to be fair to early doors, he does stay quite well, and and that proved to be the winning of the race. Um, he'd run very well. Uh, in the race the year before off a similar mark uh, yeah, as we've talked about a million times on the podcast it was a funny old renewal last year they went no gallop and um, he came from a bit further off the pace than I did that day uh, so yeah great you know great job by Joseph to get him peaking for the for the meeting and um, personally I didn't think he was especially well handicapped but I'm delighted to be wrong on that and uh, very much a case of job well done a little bit like Sire de Burley it'll be interesting 
interesting to see where he goes now because he'd, he'd be low 150s now and um, he'd need to come up if he's going to be a graded hurdler and uh, he'd be you know top weight and whatever handicap hurdle he goes for so um, he could end up chasing next season wouldn't be a shock if he did but um, job done he's a Cheltenham Festival winner now yep. and uh, a much needed boost because obviously with what happened Sir Eric earlier mm-hmm. in the day but um, it didn't it wasn't really picked up as much but in the, in the Albert Bartlett uh, Rhinestone was pulled up very sharply and was loaded up in the, the horse ambulance and for a little while there it looked like it was going to be uh, more bad news there but um, he, he's, he's good he's, he's back home um, and we'll have a break now but yeah for, for a few minutes there that looked like it was going to be fairly uh, horrendous as well so this gave everyone involved a big lift in what was a um, a, a tough old day yeah. um, all, all in all no it, it was and I think the fact that it was trending on Twitter as well the, the love and thoughts and affection being poured out for poor old Sir Eric um, just was a just was a day to forget really this is a race that Gigginstown have developed quite the knack for Sir Deschamps back in 2011 the mighty Sir Deschamps moral winner of a gold cup Don Poli moral winner Poli, of a gold Poli. cup 2014 um, Champagne Classic and Slow by Slow uh, last year as Rory likes to call them blow by blow winning it and they've got the, the second and third here uh, Kevin you know that I like uh, lucky 63 and a lucky 31 you know that I'm also <laughs> fond of a of a tricast as well and uh, what a way to round off the Cheltenham Festival that's all I'm saying oh, stuff. dear god but- I don't think I've ever cheered as loudly um, hat went flying into the air uh, absolutely delighted but so you're saying you're saying you landed one landed the tricast after a million attempts finally got it yeah. lads uh, the reverse forecast in the tricast um, Connor Brazel I thought was, was terrific on Deffy Blue made a, a bit of a mistake but looked as though he was going to win and done a miler uh, as well but John Joniel Jr. was talking about the fact that he obviously comes from um racing royalty if you like being the son of, of John Joe O'Neill Joseph obviously is, is Aiden's son it was nice to see both of them team up for JP who has been synonymous with both men uh, with both their fathers and win at the Cheltenham Festival and you would like to think that it is the sign of greater things to come for both men yeah you, you, very sweet for all concerned um, especially for the day that was in it but you know John Joe gave him a great ride uh, it's it's a mark of a good rider that uh, when plan A goes out the window pretty much as soon as the tapes go up that they can go to plan B and indeed plan C and uh, and get the job done you know so that it, it was a ride um, that was mature beyond his years and and yeah one that I'm sure there'll be a big picture of it up in his house or wherever he, wherever he is uh, for the rest of his days it was a sweet one yep. uh, and just with a view to the future um if you were to pick one out now that, you know, won't necessarily be near the, the top of any anti-post list for the novice chases next season, but it wouldn't be a shock to me now if he made a big old lap up once he meets a fence. Uh, Deffy Blue is a gorgeous horse and uh, the type to, to really make a chaser. So it wouldn't be a shock to me now. if he, I know he's only a 140-ish hurdler, but it wouldn't be a shock to me now if he took a couple of leaps forward when he gets a, a big black one in front of him. And finally, Kevin, do you think that early doors will improve for offence next season? Uh, wouldn't be guaranteed to do so. Uh, physically, he wouldn't be uh, you know, anything like Deffy Blue in terms of a big stamp of a chaser, but um, the ability's there. 
So you give him a chance and you see what happens. I don't know if he'll go now with chasing for sure, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if that was the way he went. Okay. Um, before I announce the winner of our horse racing scarves competition, uh, let's get the day three and day four highlights from Kevin Blake before we get your overall highlight. What was the the most notable moment of day three and four for you? Whew, um, half Brodon and Paisley Park now were kind of streaks ahead, really, to be fair. They were just, there they were results now that would brighten up and, and, and fill up even the biggest cynic. Uh, they were just super results, um, as has been well documented elsewhere. It was just a, a magical hour now that kind of had everybody floating. Uh, everyone it was in just very floaty form afterwards. It was just, uh, everyone was high on life after those couple of results. And I could be going to Cheltenham for a fair few, and hopefully we'll be going to Cheltenham for a long time yet. But in terms of results that lifted a race course, I don't. I think I'll be waiting a while to meet two uh, to match those. Certainly two races in a row, like it panned out. It was just a, an incredible day. It really was a magical hour, and and you can see exactly why Nick chose days three and four to talk about. It was just. It was just fantastic, and Andrew Gemmel is such a gentleman. He did an interview with At The Races, or Sky Sports Racing now, I should be saying, but you could see it on At The Races' Twitter page. Uh, but he, he did an interview with Sky Sports Racing a couple of days later, you know, At The Races again, and just loving it, and, and loving the horse, and, and really looking forward to next year. And what I quite like about him, Kevin, is the fact that he told Emma, we're going to go for the Cleave Hurdle, we're going to win that, and then we're going to win the Stairs Hurdle. And... You know that could be said in jest, but it's come off, and it's you know they're not huge connections, and it's just it. I'm thrilled for them. I really am thrilled for them, and um, they seem like lovely people. So congratulations to them. Um, my highlight would be Paisley Park uh, from days three and four. I just thought it was special, and um, hopefully he will stay over hurdles and uh, dominate the division for years to come. So courtesy of ourselves and uh, our friends at Horse Racing Scarves, so you can follow at racing underscore scarves. We ran a competition and we chose to wait until now uh, to announce the winners. So it was... You say we chose until now, we forgot until now. <laughs> well, some might say that. I couldn't possibly comment. Colin, <laughs> Colin McGivern, at McGivern Colum, uh, tweeted us to say, I'm very much looking forward to Tiger Roll going to win his third consecutive festival win and fourth overall. Hashtag FFP comp. Colum, you have won a scarf from horse racing scarves your details will be passed on to them and you can choose what scarf you would like mike warren m w o r n e 23 uh we were asking you which horses you're really looking forward to seeing at the festival thomas darby beat elixir de nuts only horse to do so this season over supreme course and distance on debut and excuses can be made for Ascot and Kempton going in under the radar with the taunton win i fancy him at a big price and a very windy Quotation marks supreme. FFP comp. <laughs> Mikey ran a stormer. And uh, for use of the phrase windy, you have got yourself a horse racing scarf as well. And you can pick what it is. And we already know what Ali at Fluffy Pickle will be going for because she says FFP comp, tiger roll. And I would love a scarf for him. So horse racing scarves will get your details, Ali. And a Gigginstown scarf especially Tiger Roll Scarf will be on its way to you. Congratulations to our three winners and thanks once again um, to everybody who entered 
courtesy of ourselves and at horse racing scarves at racing underscore scarves I should say can I try and use with my English language again at racing underscore scarves thank you very much and uh, we look forward to doing some more competitions with them in the future Kevin Lake tomorrow we're going to be talking about flat racing yeah can't wait (laughs) it's almost ridiculous to think that that's the case but we will be indeed talking about flat racing Declan Ricks rejoins us as we preview the weekend's action the Irish Lincoln at the I was going to say the current it's not fully open yet the Irish Lincoln at Nace yeah can't wait Absolutely. It sounds like a Kev sounds super enthusiastic there. Right, that is our review of Cheltenham 2019. Uh, Thank you so, so much for the kind words on social media. Genuinely mean it. We were flooded with nice words. The Friday of Cheltenham when everybody's very busy or very, very drunk or very, very tired to have so many nice things said was really, really kind of you. And uh, it does genuinely mean an awful lot. Um, Our great thanks once again to Nick Luck for joining us and looking forward to having him back on the show again very very soon Uh, thanks again to Jane Mangan for yesterday looking forward to having her back on the show again soon and Kevin my friend I'll chat to you tomorrow good luck when we will be rejoined by Declan Ricks to try and pick out some gravy for you for the weekend Uh, I know we picked up a lot of new listeners over Cheltenham I hope you enjoy the show and I hope you stick with us as well Uh, from all of us Thanks to the team at ATR as well for all the promotion on site. Some really hard work done there. We will chat to you tomorrow on the Final Furlong Podcast. And we're already dreaming of Cheltenham 2020. Thanks for listening. God bless. Have you downloaded the free app, The Races app yet? With easy-to-use race cards and form, expert daily tips, plus video replays and in-app betting, it's the app that no racing fan's phone should be without. Available for free on your iPhone or Android mobile, Visit attheraces.com forward slash app for more details.